What is going on, Badger fans? Great show today. We got a great guest, as as we usually try to do. Uh, we're going to talk about the Daniel Freitag visit. Huge basketball visitor. Who would be a bigger get between him or Con Knipple? Plus, we're going to get into some freshmen we think may play early and some of your comments. A loaded show on Lockdown Badgers today. Let's go on Wisconsin. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, my friends? Welcome to Locked On Badgers, your team every single day. I really do appreciate everybody tuning in. I'm your host, Ryan Herrings, as always. Uh, We got that man. We got Justin jumping on the show. We still haven't figured out a good intro theme for you, Justin. Lots of great recommendations. Greg Lincecum pumps them out. John Berger pumps them out. I just haven't found anything that clicks yet. All right. That's fair. We're working on it, though. All right. We'll, we'll figure it out. I, I, I'll, I'll try to think of some things. I need you to which, put some which seems oddly too. weird trying to come up with ideas for my own. You're going to play Thunderstruck and bring me in? I thought about something like that with like some kind of pessimism. <laughs> in the lefty. From beyond the light into the darkness comes Justin. Right? Like some type of realistic <laughs> thing. But I don't know. Keep them coming. We got a great one with Rajiv, obviously. But listen, I want to talk about huge news broke. Daniel Freitag coming for an official visit June 14th through 16th. Uh, for those that don't know, six foot two, 190 pound point guard, also plays receiver. But I mean, he transferred to a school, high school in California that, that only has had no football basketball. team. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that kind of is the writing on the wall there. He's coming for an official visit. He is a 247, 97 rating in the composite, 71st nationally, ninth point guard in the country, ninth ranked point guard in the country. Um, first of all, let's just start here. How big is this recruitment for Gray Guard and the Badgers basketball team with uh, Daniel Freitag? He is number one with a bullet for me in terms of the recruits in this class. And he is number one because I look at it as he is a difference maker for the program. Wisconsin does not get this type of athlete at the point guard position ever. And he doesn't, he's not a perfect fit as a point guard, but he has athleticism and things that he can do that make you care. He, like he's a scoring point. He's going to be a guy who assists are not big, but when was the last time you had a Wisconsin point guard? That was a huge assist guy to begin with. Like it's not, not, it's not really what we do. Um, we don't have a guy that can get out and change the offense in the way that a guy like Freitag can. He, he can get out and he can be a fast break on his own. He's athletic, far more athletic than anyone since Devin Harris. Um, which gives you opportunities and things that you can do to break down plays when things aren't working that you don't have right now. Um, we had a little bit of it with Johnny Davis. It's different when it's a point guard. It just is. They're, they typically have a better feel for the game and how to get others involved. Um, as much as I like having a guy, a, a two guard who can get downhill and, and create, it's the secondary passing and stuff like that just typically isn't at the same level. And they're normally coming off the wing rather than coming downhill off the top of the key. Um, but I, the way I look at it this way is Con Knipple is an amazing half-court player. And that doesn't mean that he can't push the ball a little bit, but he's not a guy you're looking for fast breaks from. He's a guy you're looking at the half-court, being able to back guys down, hit threes, come off screens. He's not a guy that you're expecting to catch the rebound and take off with the ball and and – you know, push the ball on offense. Um, that is something that Freitag can do. He gives you opportunity and versatility that you don't have offensively right now. And that's something that he adds. 
Well, let's let's pause there because you're kind of already jumped in the next part of the question. Um, before we jump into the con, because we're also going to talk about which one is a bigger target or more mm-hmm. important target is probably a better ask, right? Between Daniel Freitag yeah. and Con I want to stay on Freitag's game just for one quick second for those who maybe haven't seen him recently. You're talking about an elite. It, see, to me, he's almost like a combo guard. You're going to play him at point guard. Yeah. I don't think. And he, that's exactly how I look at him, too. He's more of a combo. Yeah. I don't think he's a natural, natural point guard, but he can score at every level and he gives you athletically something that I, I was trying to think. What's, who's the last Badger point guard that was kind of a score first guy? That that was an elite natural score. Hughes, yeah, Trayvon Hughes is a good good one. I mean, that's actually a great one. Maybe it's Trayvon Hughes. Is it because it wasn't similarly ranked? Certainly, I don't think he was quite as athletic as Freitag, but yeah, no, Hughes was built more. He was more of a tank, right? Um, This guy's much more athletic. He's bouncier. He's quicker in the open court. Quicker in transition. Mm -hmm. He's a huge get. And again, you're talking about a top ten point guard nationally. I mean, that's the type of elite playmaker that great guard desperately needs. So. Let's let's transition into here because you started it. Um, obviously, Greyguard is also up after Con Knipple, in-state kid. Uh, Con Knipple, if you look at the 247 composite, uh, 98 composite, 34th nationally, 12th small forward. So actually higher ranked than Daniel Freitag. You already kind of talked a little bit about why you prefer Freitag. To me, Con Knipple, first of all, there's a chance to get both, which would be yeah. absolutely incredible. You'd be landing two top 100 prospects. Um, but to me, Con Knipple, you can find him easier if you're Greg Gard. You find versions of him easier. Greg Gard has a better chance well, of finding those half-court pieces. Freitag gives you something different. And that's why yeah. I think Freitag is actually the bigger target here. He, he changes the conversation of what Wisconsin's capable of if you have a player like that. You can make up Con Knipple in the aggregate a little bit with multiple players and kind of doing some things and in, in lineups. You're never going to get it all in one guy. But there's ways you can do some of the things there. Like his big go-to is is shooting, and he's going to be a bit of a bruiser. Like he's a combination kind of of Connor and and Gus, in a way. Like you have, but you have those two guys. So mm-hmm. now you're looking at somebody who adds something to the table that you don't have. And Freitag is that guy. Like he's a guy who can get out, turn the Jets on, and he could conceivably have four points a game or six points a game that he gets off the fast break where he comes up with it and just goes where nobody can get out in front of him. Let me ask you this. If Greg Gard lands Daniel Freitag, but misses on Conkinipple, right, after landing A.J. Store, and let's say they, they fill it in the 24 class, they get something else because they already have Jack Robeson. So they get Jack Robeson, Daniel Freitag, and some other decent piece. McAndrew? Yeah, I would just say some fill in the blank with some B-level prospects. McAndrew's probably not that. Yeah. Um, after landing AJ Store and last year's class of Winter and Gus Yaldin, are you now in a spot where you're like, okay, Greg Gard really proved something different to me? Well, Freitag is the guy that that proves the most to me because he's from out of state. He's at a position and type of play that we Wisconsin traditionally doesn't get these type of guys. Like we typically get more of the Jordan Taylor, um, our, our boy on our team Chucky right Hepburn, now, quite frankly. Yeah, Chucky Hepburn, yep, type guys who are more built, like strong guards than guys who are quick. Wisconsin doesn't typically get quick guards, um, so having somebody like that, it's just a, it's just a game changer. We we're not used to having somebody like that that provides that level of athleticism. I mean, look at what Purdue had a couple of years ago with Jaden Ivy, and they're diff- very different players. Ivy was bigger and longer, but. 
that type of athleticism at the point guard allows you to do some things, especially when your your offense just isn't working on nights that you don't have. And I love Chucky, but there's things that Frytag can do athletically that Chucky just can't. Like he can get in the lane and cause problems getting downhill on people where they just can't react quick enough to deal with him. So I would say it's not even a Chucky thing, right? It's the fact no. that no one else on the roster can. Yeah, it's right, there's like there's, it's there's nobody that athletically fits what what Freitag has done. And like we said, we're going back to Trayvon Hughes, or if not before him, Devin Harris, to the last time we've had somebody at that position that provided that level of of athleticism. But see, I don't I, I don't know if you need it at point guard, but you need somebody on the roster. Yeah, and break down defenses and get and it. you like, potentially could have two of those guys. If you had you Chucky have store out on the wing and you have a guy like Freitag that's the backup point, that makes things very interesting when you have your second group in. Right. I mean, if you had Chucky Hepburn with Johnny Davis in store, you're probably, mm-hmm. to your point, you're probably not that worried about it. Anymore. Yeah. But now you can add a Freitag into that. By the way, when Freitag comes on campus, Hepburn will be a senior. Um, so obviously that kind of fits in an obvious mm-hmm. need as well from a depth chart perspective. A lot of them to play off the ball some too. Mm-hmm. Now I will say this. I, I tend to think depth charts don't matter as much in the, the portal era. Right. I tend to think you don't as much stock for two or three years down the road, because if you can sell a wide open starting point guard spot, that's easier to fill in the portal era now than ever before. Yes, I'd agree with that. It's just there's guys out there like you may not you're not going to find a game changer, but you'll find somebody that can be a solid starter. I mean, Mm -hmm. we got Klesmet last year, like he's he's the prime example of a guy you can find a starter out there who's capable is he a guy who's going to the NBA? Probably not, but you got a guy who is going to give you really good minutes and high quality production at that spot. Going to be a six man this year and be incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to be absolutely incredible at it. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's take a quick break here. We got friends of the show. We're coming up. Justin's going to give a take. We're going to talk a little bit about incoming football freshmen that could contribute this year, who we think is most likely. I haven't got Justin's take on this. Plus, we have a bunch of your comments coming up, including some interesting ones in terms of um, Tanner Mordecai. Uh, and, and some other interesting ones with regard to schedule and academics. We're going to talk about all that coming up on Lockdown Badgers. But first, a quick break for our friends of the show over at Built Bar. If you were at the live show, the Lockdown Badgers live show, and you saw Justin, like Justin swole. And he got a lot of comments. And part of that's those Built Bars. That dude gets some protein in his daily diet via, uh, via Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the planet. 15, 16, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories or less, and incredible flavors. I love the churro. Other people love the the coconut ones. There's a, a double brownie, which is super chocolatey, 100% real chocolate. I don't know how they've done it. We can't make healthy nachos. We can't make healthy Doritos. We can't make healthy ice cream. But we can make a healthy protein bar because Built Bar has proven it. They're incredible. And now you don't need to go online to get the boxes. You go to Walmart, get your four-bar box. Go to Sam's Club, get your 13-bar variety box. Look a little more like Justin, right? That's That should be our goal this summer. Get a little healthier, a little bigger. Um, do it with Built Bar. It's one of my go-tos. Built Bar, you'll thank me later. Go to Walmart or Sam's Club to pick up your Built Bar variety boxes. I also want to say thank you to everybody who's tuning in again. Incredible community that we're building up, and I think we're doing it the right way. So thank you so much. Keep the comments coming. We try to keep putting them on the show. We got a bunch of them today. Uh, let's get Justin back on. And Justin, no joke, you you got quite a bit of compliments at the live show about, you know, <laughs> looks good. Well, thanks. Uh, and I'll say it's coconut almond is the way to go. I'm a big Love fan it. of that one. So let's get into this. Uh, I've, I've talked a little bit about the freshmen that I think are going to be able to come in on the football side and potentially have a chance at cracking that too deep. Uh, I've talked about Jamel Howard as a guy that I really look at. Who is on your radar for the freshmen coming in? Um, I think we would say Jamal Howard is is the big one. 
Um, I think he's the guy at a position where I, I, I don't know how strongly we feel about either of the guys that are there. I think we don't exactly have it in one particular player that we're looking at right now. Neil brings you some pass rush and Gio Paez is more of a run stopper, you know, guy who fills up the hole and kind of the tree stump and out there. So it's, it's not a perfect fit. I think you get a little bit more of a mix with Jamel Howard. It's just, I think it's going to take him a little time physically to kind of be ready to go. So it's, it's a different ball game when you're, you're at the college level and you suddenly have a center who's a man child who's been in, you know, at this level for three years versus a player who's a true freshman and hasn't had a spring to get the, the offseason weightlifting regimen in. Give me, give me a guy who would surprise you or wouldn't surprise you who would, who might get playing time this year that would surprise other people as a freshman. I think that we could see Snowden potentially get into the two deep wherever he is. I could see if a corner, it sounds like people are thinking of him more as free safety. If it's that free safety, I feel like that's a possibility for him too. I just think he brings things athletically that we don't have. It's hard to find a guy who's six, three can really run and has that kind of length. Like mm-hmm. is, if the instincts are there and he, he learns the defensive playbook, it's just that you kind of have a guy out there that is really difficult to account for. Um, I still love Tretch. Like I That's need to see not- it. I, I really want to see how he translates to the college game. I, I think if there's if there's a guy who I could see hit the ground running at the wide receiver position that we've had come in, other than CJ Williams, he's the first guy I've looked at and been like, this is a guy who I think is going to find a way to get open day one. The day he walks on campus, he's going to have an, a knack for finding space. I just think that's who he is. But you and I both know why he's not going to play this year. We're seven deep right now. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is true. But it would also not shock me to, to hear all these things coming out of fall camp like, He's just open all the time. Like, what what do you do? Like, he's he's constantly finding ways. Like, I could see him put on a show every once in a while out there just because I think he's got some natural ability to create separation that even we've heard good things about Pauling. I'm not sure that he even has the ability that I think Tretch does at just kind of separating from people. Like, I'm watching Tretch when his senior footage, he's kind of rounding off some of his cuts, and he's still pulling away from guys because – he doesn't have to be that good of a route runner because he's that good, like that good at separating and that like quick out of his cuts. He feels like a guy to me who's going to be on the scout team and he's going to drive the starters nuts. Oh yeah. Like no you're going to 100% every practice. Like I, I could see a package being put in with him. Like yeah. I, he may not be a guy who's going to be getting any type of two deep reps, but I would not be shocked to see like a third down package or something like that where you're just like, Hey, we're going to throw a Tretch in the backfield. And he's going to come out of the backfield and and run a circle route and then just watch a linebacker just be insanely pissed off that he can't stay with. <laughs> I just – I don't think he can – I think there's too many numbers ahead of him that have already been in practice and are already learning the offense and are already building up Possibly. chemistry with quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, I love him too, by the way. We talked about this yeah. at nauseum. We love Tretch. This is a Tretch-friendly show. Yeah. I just He's going to do great body. things before he leaves Wisconsin. Agreed. I think there's too many bodies. The one guy I've talked about – uh, that I think is interesting. So Snowden's interesting to me for obvious reasons, everything you mentioned. Um, the one guy I've talked about before that I think is a little interesting is Nate White. I just think the running back depth chart is is super shaky. And I think I think if it was last year's coaching staff, I would say no chance. This year's coaching staff with Longo, who believes in speed and space, maybe there's a slight chance that I don't I don't think it's likely because I think Yakamelli and Acker both have a better chance than him. Bordelotti has a better chance than him, quite frankly. Um, but I think 
if you told me at the end of the year he got into some games that had like five catches and two rushes, I'd be like, okay, that doesn't shock me. I, I think it'll be interesting to see where he comes in at physically. If he comes in at 180 pounds, no. I think he's just too light. I think that the idea of putting him in the backfield, he's going to get himself killed. Um, now, if he comes in at 190 and they feel like they can get him up to high 190 by the end of the summer weight training program, then you might have something there where you can you could push that kid to to potentially have the weight where he'll hold up. He's still too he's still going to be really light, mm-hmm. but you might be able to find a, a couple of little things here and there to do with him. I I think we both agree he's not going to be any seeing any significant play, but I could see them finding you know maybe a mop up duty or something like that. He gets a few reps out there where they're like, hey, let's get him let's get him as in for his four games, and and get some tape for him to work on so he can kind of see some of the things that he's doing right and wrong and understand where he needs to get better. Yeah. I, I could definitely see some reps just to get him some live bullets. Um, yeah. All right, let's get into some of these comments here. So this is an interesting one. Uh, this is from Ken Payne. And again, we always try to get comments in the show because a, it makes the show better. It makes us smarter and B because you guys are giving us a lot of good stuff uh, from Ken Payne. To me, the worst part about Oregon coming to the big 10 is hearing Justin pronounce it like Oregon trail. So I went to really quickly, I went to speech, I think speechcorrected.com. I actually tried to do some research in how to pronounce this because I don't know how to pronounce Oregon. Is it Oregon, Oregon, Oregon? Well, there is an O at the end. Am I wrong? I don't is know. It, We're both butchering it. Is the O make an I sound? So what I learned is Gim. try to say Oregon, 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 I think. Please, please correct me again. I, y'all, you have no idea. I spent 15 minutes trying to figure out how yeah. to pronounce this. And I was like, like, I looked it up and it said Oregon with like GN. And I'm like, so the so. O is silent. I guess. <laughs> I'm like, am I an 1848 prospector? We had several there? comments about this, by the way. Like, guys, gentlemen, stop. That's not how you pronounce it. So this isn't just you. It's both of us. Yeah. And apparently we're both butchering it. So we'll try to get better there. Uh, Melvin Melvin said, interesting question here they say cal stanford oregon and washington added loopholes in their last media contract that allowed them to leave uh join the big 10 if that becomes an option would you like that quartet justin cal stanford oregon and washington first off oh sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say i don't love it so melvin melvin first of all appreciate the comment i don't think cal and like i get the academic thing and we're gonna do a whole show on academics i want to get rajiv in on that one because he has some takes on academics in the big 10 as well in the badgers to me, Stanford and Cal don't add. I know they're incredible academic institutions and iconic. I don't think they add much from an athletic standpoint. And I don't think people are tuning in on a TV standpoint or a streaming standpoint to watch Stanford play anybody, to watch Cal play anybody. So I don't love that quartet, to be honest. Here's how I kind of look at it. I, I view them as if you want to, if you academically want to add them in terms of saying, hey, we're, we're we want to, make ourselves the most prestigious outside of the Ivy league in terms of academics. I get that. If that's, if that's the route that the powers that be want to take, we're not adding, you're not adding them for sports. If that's the case. Um, I was under the impression that the media deal wasn't done for the PAC 12 yet. So I could see them asking for those loopholes, which wouldn't shock me. Um, I wouldn't blame them if that's what they went for. Listen, the the PAC 12 is a dying league. I'm just going to put it out there. Something's going to happen. Like you're seeing stuff out there where they're going to get cannibalized either by the Big 12, by us, or by someone. But it's probably the Big 12. And this is where when we talked about on the other show that I said that the Big 10, if you're going to add, 
you have to be proactive because the last thing you want is for the Big 12 to grab everyone effectively and just say, all right, we're going to take Utah, Cal, you know, the Arizona schools. We're going to take Oregon and Washington. And suddenly now it's like, okay, well, what does that leave, you know, the Big Ten? Because they're going to, you know, academics are going to be a major issue. Now suddenly you start looking at the ACC. It's like, there's not a lot there that really moves the needle in terms of like, even from a football standpoint, adding quality to the conference. Like there's, there's a couple basketball schools. Sure. But there's nobody that you look like when we talked about Washington and Oregon, I said, these are two teams that add to the quality of the football. Like these are, these would be upper half of the league in terms of teams being added. So they would add more good matchups that you're going to see throughout the season versus, you know, playing Rutgers or, or playing, Cal or Stanford. Yeah, yes. Well, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you there. Uh, unless we're turning into a baseball league, I don't think we need to worry about and those. We're not, listen, let's be honest, dude. We're not trying to win at the academic decathlon. Like I, I get it. Like those schools are iconic and there's a lot of people that really value big 10 academics, but this is an athletic decision. Nobody is merging. Nobody's out there trying to, to poach Colgate or Brown. Or right, like you're trying to do this athletically, yeah. so prioritize that. The yeah. other thing I would say, really quick, and I'm going to bring up this other comment that kind of agrees with you, Justin, even though I disagree with kind of you and Commandant Clink on this. By the way, Commandant Clink is the man. He said, I agree with Rajiv about bringing in new members to the conference. Uh, times have changed, and you better adapt and be a leader. Justin, you're kind of saying something similar to that. I actually push back a little bit on that, and then we're going to take a quick break, but I want to say we'll get back to this on the other side. I want to say. I don't think the Big Ten needs to do anything. Like the Big 12 could absorb everything in the Pac-12 and it's still a second-tier conference because there's no marquee program left in the Big 12 or the Pac-12, Pac quite frankly. I don't think anything's knocking the Big Ten off the perch of number one or number two in athletic conferences. And I don't think you need to go out and grab schools to, to maintain some status quo because it's not going away. We already signed our media rights deal. I don't know. I want to get your take on that coming back. We got to take a quick break uh, coming out of the break. But uh, coming on clean... Certainly just seems to disagree with me on that. And Justin, I think, and Rajiv both do as well. So we're going to get into that after this. But a quick break for our friends of the show. I want to say again, thank you for everybody tuning in. A bunch more comments coming up. We'll get Justin back on the show. But thank you again for making Lockdown Batters one of your first listens every day. Uh, Justin, so I kind of left it there. But I want to definitely give you the opportunity to respond to that. Um, just to recap it, I just don't think I, – I think the Big Ten and the SEC are in – obviously, they are in the catbird seat. And yeah. I don't think you need to go out and add an Oregon and a Washington, for example, to stay there. Because I don't think, while I agree with you, they improve the quality to some degree. Those also are not program moving or conference moving programs. They don't move the needle that much, in my opinion. I think they actually do help with the media deal long term. Um, if you look at it, I think that the type of ratings we'll see from some of the matchups that they'll provide will have value. The problem is, is we're going to have teams that are just dead weight and we have them already. We have and more. those are the ones, those are ideally what we would change. Like if we were going to swap in Oregon and Oregon, Oregon, whatever we want to call them at this point, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say all of them. I got it right one of the times. <laughs> um, so the way I look at it is, listen, we, we can't swap out those teams the way where we're stuck at right now. We, if we add the strength of them, it's where I feel like you can start to challenge with looking at the the sec like we when we talk about them and you have i spoke about this before it's the depth overall 
the bottom half of their league is not where the bottom half of our league is. And that's where the difference is. And you're adding to the top half of the league with those two teams. Now, I think that what you're trying to do is you're trying to get to the, the, the last marquee team for the big 10 is Notre Dame. Agreed. You have to find a way to get them into your league and they don't fit anywhere else. So it's, it's, a waste of time for this to continue to kind of play out. I don't understand what, what the goal end game is other than arrogance. Like, and that, let's, let's be honest. That's legitimately what it is. It's arrogance. A lot of it with Notre Dame um, is where we think we're better than everyone else. We're going to stay, you know, independent because it, it's whatever. Okay. What, what's your company with independence? BYU, you know, <laughs> it's like, why is this something that makes you special? I guess because they have um, NBC, right? They have the history. They have yeah. the. I mean, I would say this. This is an interesting thought. I don't, this might almost seem to be better for a better show. Bringing bringing Notre Dame into the Big Ten gives them a financial windfall that they don't have, even with their their sweetheart deal. Yeah. Yeah. In a think, way, do you want to help them? No, I obviously, don't. Obviously, I, you're I, sides. I I would I would like to see. Everyone cut their legs out from under them and watch them get humbled is Wither what I would like line. to see with Notre Dame. Yep. I want to see them be $50 million behind everyone else in terms of their media deal and have to be like, yes. oh, we're, we're way behind the SEC guys and the Big Ten teams in terms of the revenue that we're getting to deal with everything. You know, think of what that could do for our program if we had an extra 30 or $40 million every year. And then have them come crawling. Yeah, and being like, okay, guys, well, now we're, we're ready to get in because, listen, their bargaining power is never going to be at the same level. And if they lose a team like USC off of their their yearly games, that's that's a massive hit to their their media. Like, yeah. they, you don't think NBC looks at that and goes, yeah, but you're not playing anyone worthwhile anymore. Like, if you're, if you're playing Army or whoever, you know, like, what value are we getting out of this? Like, great, you're Notre Dame. Your schedule stinks, which is the risk that happens there. If Clemson ends up going to to the SEC, they lose another powerhouse one, which I do think at some point that's going to be the end game for the SEC. They will go after Clemson and they will say, we are without a doubt undisputed the number one conference in, in college football. We have basically everyone that's won a national title for the last decade, so – Outside of Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, outside of Ohio State. So at that point, you basically have to look at it and be like, yeah, everyone's in the second second tier citizen. So for what right now, I think with the Big Ten, you try to strengthen as much as you can. You want to make but, that gap as small as possible. I guess where I go back to the – see, and now we're going long on this, and I don't – I don't think Washington and Oregon close that gap. Like Washington and Oregon have never won a title. Like, you know, those guys aren't closing the gap with the SEC. They're just giving you more. Listen, it's like, goals. it's like adding, let me, let me think of a good Tennessee or adding. He's won a national title in the nineties. Okay. But that's, well, that's, Washington's won a national title in the nineties. Sure. But Tennessee is also, <laughs> Tennessee is also so like they have. A okay. Well, wait a second. Washington has been in the playoff. Tennessee sure. has not. Sure. So if we're going to argue Oregon program strength, we can Oregon's honestly say that too. Washington but, is a better program. But Michigan State's been in the playoff too, and where is that program? I mean, I, well, I, mean, I they know. got Mel Tucker at coach. What do you expect? 
Let, let's get to this comment quick because I want one more comment in this one. And this is probably going to spill into another show, this this conference expansion talk. Um, this one came from Playmaker1271. And I couldn't fit his whole comment in here. But uh, before we wrap up on this show, because we're almost at 30 minutes, I want to ask you on this one. He said, we need to stop crapping on the West. The teams in the division are actually good teams. And even matchups, um, almost all of them won their bowl games. They're tough as crap programs. He goes on to say that because this comes, this comment comes from our discussion about is losing the West really a bad thing for Wisconsin? And my point was, I don't think it is because the West A hasn't helped us. And B, it's not like you're playing, you're still playing Ohio State in the East. You're still getting crossover games. Um, and that's what he went on to say that I don't think this changes much because we were still going to play the toughest teams in the East. So I tend to agree with him, except for the fact that his first thing, we need to stop crapping on the West. No, I think the West, I don't think the West is that good. There's a reason it's never won a Big Ten title since they shifted. But I do think getting out of that West helps Wisconsin because I think it forces them to up their game. What has killed the absolutely killed the West has been that Wisconsin has never broken through. So there's you look at it and it looks like a bunch of teams that are not quite there in terms of it. Like every other major conference, you can look at it like it's like looking at the ACC. You have Clemson and their their side, and then the other side's an afterthought. You yeah. have the SEC. When Georgia wasn't quite there, everyone crapped on the the SEC East. You look at the Pac-12, Oregon and Oregon, Oregon. It's called the Ducks. I'm just going to say the Ducks. The Ducks Ducks (laughs) and USC and then everybody else. And Utah is trying to make more of a conversation out of that. They've done some things and they've shown out well against some really good teams, but they haven't broken through either. So what's happening is you now have – you have all these parts of a conference that just haven't quite had a team step up. Now, if Wisconsin had made the playoff, we wouldn't be hearing the the shots at the West as much as we have. If if USC was added to the West, the West would no longer be – no one would be saying anything negative about the West anymore. Like, if we had just dumped that, then it would be – look, it, it honestly would make – kind of make the Big Ten more balanced. Because Wisconsin and USC would be heading up the West, and you'd have Michigan, Penn State, and and Ohio State in the East. It would still be though. I mean, let's be honest. The Big Ten made their own grave here, right? You put Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State in one in one division. Yeah. And part of the part of the thing people poke fun at is Northwestern. You know, um, not Northwestern. Sorry, Iowa will will occasionally pop up in the West, and they, they have no chance at competing against Ohio State. Wisconsin has had very little chance. The, the, the team, top up teams, Purdue, for gosh sake, has been in a Big Ten title game. They have no chance to compete. Against they've them. all had massive warts, which is the problem. The teams from the East typically are more, more well built. Mm-hmm. Like even Wisconsin, a twenty seventeen team, the passing yeah. game was was the problem. Massively, we, yeah. If if we had a if we had a a top thirty passing offense, then Wisconsin would have been viewed as a playoff team. So agree or disagree with the comment, we need to stop crapping on the West. I don't think we can until a team proves that they deserve to be there. Like They're all teams, like I said, with warts. There's nobody that looks like you can go to bat from and be like, this season is a team to be reckoned with. Like Any team in the West is only beating Ohio State if Ohio State has a bad day. It's not yeah. because they played out of their mind. It's Ohio State played down to them. And we saw that because we saw how good Ohio State can be when they go play Georgia. Now we you I think you watched that game. I definitely watched that game. And when you watched the level of football that was being played in that game, 
the way that those teams were playing in that game, they would have beaten any team in the West by probably 35 points. Yeah. It would have been an absolute bludgeoning if they had played them. Like the game would not have been competitive after the first quarter, kind of like when we played Ohio State. Yeah, I agree with you there, man. I think until the West actually comes out and wins a big game in a title mm-hmm. game, the, the criticism is more than warranted, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um uh, but playmaker one two seven one, thank you for the comment. And I actually agree with your second part that I I like the shift out of the co- divisional lineup. I think it's going to help Wisconsin in the long run. All right, let's wrap up there, Justin. Thank you so much for tuning in or jumping on as always. I appreciate my friend and uh, for everyone listening on Wisconsin. And we'll talk again tomorrow. I'm sure. <laughs>